sorry. Okay, so our sermon scripture reading this morning is Romans 8, 31 through 39. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our conditions and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's life, love for us? There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying, threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Thank you, Kay. Uh, and good morning, everyone. Uh, so I want to start out a little unconventionally with a little bit of Miss America history. Everyone knows it, right? No? Just me? Okay. Uh, specifically, I want to go back to the year 2017 when some unsavory emails from the CEO were released to some of the former Miss Americas. And he had said some not so nice things uh, about the way they looked and what they acted and called them, just called them not nice names. We're not going to repeat any of those here. Uh, but the Miss Americas band together and said, we can't stand for this. This is not what Miss America is about. Uh, and we don't want our CEO to be talking about us like this. The Miss America organization, uh, when pressed by the production company that runs Miss America on, on television, um, said, you need to get rid of your CEO. And they said, no. We think we'll wait for the storm to pass. At that point, and this is like football history and trivia for me, like some of you, this is like my thing. Uh, at that point, Miss America 2009, Katie Stam, now Irk, uh, did a live stream on Facebook. Now today, we're on live stream right now, that was not as common. So all of us Miss America junkies ran to our our computers and figured out how to get on and uh, listen to her give her opinion about the things that were said and what she thinks should happen next for the organization. And when she got to the part about Miss America organization's response, we're just going to wait for the storm to pass, Katie stopped and said, I am the storm. What they don't know is I am the storm. The merchandise was created, which I purchased. My shirt says, I am the storm. It does not fit the way it used to fit. 
Um, but I wore it, wore it for you today. Because as I would go through troubling times, uh, say at work or just something that I needed, that stick to itiveness, I needed to stick to it, I would get out my shirt and wear it. It was often on a Friday after a hard week. I'd throw on like a faux leather jacket with it just to up the cool like confidence factor. Uh, and then it also shut like this, so you can't really say what it says. So I had this message, but it was a secret. No one knew what it meant. At that point in time, I thought that was getting me through difficult times. Getting closer in my faith, I see now that this is really prideful. I am the storm. I have all the answers. I can do it. I don't need anyone else. In life, when I threw on the storm, I was white-knuckling it, trying to do it all on my own. What I've learned now through my faith is that there's a better way uh, that we can do that by following Jesus' teaching. Jesus tells us the world would have many trials and sorrows. So whether you're going through a storm right now in your life or not, I'm pretty confident that you've been through a storm or you will go through a storm in the future. But the good news is that Jesus also told us, be encouraged, be encouraged because I have overcome the world and promises us that if we learn from him, we will all have peace. That's from John 16, 33. So as Christians, we don't need to white knuckle it through the storm because we have the opportunity, should we choose to take it, to go through the storm with our almighty father and through the examples of how Jesus made it through his own storms in life. If I might, I uh, will also say that it's a pretty good example of one way that we can live the cornerstone motto of creating community by following Jesus. So today we're gonna to talk about seven principles. Don't worry, I have them written down. I'm gonna to stick to the script. We're not gonna get off topic. We will get out of here on time. Uh, but seven principles that I learned through reading a devotional called How to Navigate the Storm by Iglesia Paz. And then I threw in some of my own like counselory practical tips for following it. But I want to give them a lot of credit for the content. The first principle when facing a storm is to face the storm with the assurance of who you are and who is at your side. If we're insecure about our identity, we will not be able to face problems adequately. Because not having the certainty of who we are brings insecurity about where we are going and what our purpose is in life. Jesus knew who he was, and he was sure of his identity. He continually affirmed that he is the Son of God, the bread of life, the way. He had no doubts and walked facing storms with certainty because he knew who he was. You and I can find our identity in knowing where we come from and to whom we belong. If we have believed in Jesus, we are children of God and have a Father in heaven, and he loves us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Also uh, from Romans 8, when we read the scripture reading, that was from the message version, because I like it's just like blunt to the point. 
Um, here we go. But I think most of us will remember, uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? Remember that wording a little better. If you have ever questioned who you are, I have a list of in hymns, affirmations uh, that, I re ugh, that I read to remember what God says about me because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I'm not going to read the whole list. I'll give you a few. I am victorious. That's from Revelations 21.7. I am God's workmanship from Ephesians 2.10. I am loved with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31.3. If you can get through these and not feel better about yourself, we got to talk. It's going to help you feel better about who you are and find that confidence. Uh, I use these a lot with clients. I've printed off a few. They're back on the round table, so if anyone wants to take one for you or a friend, um, feel free to do that, because they just, they're good. I gotta stick to the script. Here we go. Second principle is recognize who you want to please. Jesus is always clear to whom he wanted to please. He had pressures and demands from people all around him. He knew that he only had to please one, the father, who once said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, from Matthew 3, 17. Life can become very complicated if we try to please everyone. Anyone ever been there before? I have. But if we focus on pleasing God before others, our lives will be easier. The Bible gives us lots of examples of what is both satisfying and dissatisfying to God. In the case of troubling times, I believe that having faith in God is pleasing to him. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him we can practically recognize who we want to please by turning to God in prayer during the storms of our life and having faith that he will help us to overcome. We're on to our third principle. Identify where you want to go. Jesus said, well, I know where I came from and where I am going. It's John 8:14. He knew perfectly who he was and the direction he was going. Nothing and no one could divert him from his destiny, which was dictated by the Father, but also accepted by him. When we are in the midst of problems, it's important to know where we want to go. It's common for problems to develop and bring confusion into our lives. During the storms of life, the instruments and indicators that normally help us navigate become confusing and we may lose our clarity and course. We need to navigate with certainty in order to get through the storms, and we will get, it, get out of it on the right course. Our eyes are on our eternal destiny and on the purpose that God has set before us. It is with this perspective of a fixed course that when the waves hit our boat during the storm, they become the steps to reach our destination. As believers, we know our final destination is in heaven with God. 
John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Asking yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? We remember the, the wristbands, what would Jesus do? Can help us keep our eye on that eternal prize. In addition to reminding us that our true reward is in heaven and not here on earth, it also helps me to make it through each difficult situation with the serenity, peace, and love for all that was embodied by Christ. In college, I was part of an organization that used a sailboat as one of uh, their insignia. The sailboat reminded us that if we allow the wind and the waves to guide us, that we'll always be moving forward. Relying on anything else might steer us in the wrong direction. While I don't believe that God creates the storms for us, I do that well enough on my own, uh, I do believe that he helps control the wind and the waves to get me where I need to go. Relying on him as my compass will never fail. He will take me where I need to go. The fourth principle might be one of my favorites. It's navigate life with a team of friends. Life is not navigated, it is not designed to navigate it alone. We need a support team, a family, and a home. Also, a team of friends who share our faith and help each other amid the problems. At the beginning of his public ministry, Jesus called those he wanted to accompany him, and all of them came with him. That's from Mark 3.13. During difficult times, we need friends who believe in God and understand who we are, who we want to please, and where we want to go. Jesus realized the importance of surrounding himself with good friends. Perhaps the most glaring example are the 12 disciples. I always love the quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Proverbs 27:17 puts it this way. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Carefully consider who your five people are, or 12, however many people you have. And if in troubled times, they will help speak the truth of God into your life, or will they lead you on a path of destruction? Principle five is to focus on what is important. There's so many distractions in life and things that we want and demand our attention. During difficult times, there's even more distractors that happen and disorient our lives. Jesus was clear about his priorities and focused on what was important to fulfill his purpose. Let us remember that the important is not the same as the urgent. In fact, during the storms of life, the urgent also often distracts us from what is important. Learn this principle. In one area of your, if one area of your life is in crisis, do not make the mistake of going in two or more crisis areas of your life because you are neglecting the important to attend to the urgent. Take care of what is important 
while solving the crisis area. Having trouble figuring out what's important? Perhaps consider Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this, love your neighbors as yourself. If your urgent solution goes against loving God or your neighbor, then perhaps you should reconsider your solution by remembering what is important. Okay. Principle six is perhaps my second favorite. <laughs> Maybe sometimes my first, we'll see. Uh, but also sometimes the hardest for me to do. It's take time to rest. This, uh, Sometimes we think that Jesus never rested, that he lived life to the fullest and never took time to pause or reflect. But look at this passage in Mark 6:31. Then Jesus said to them, let's go alone to a quiet place and rest for a while. He said it because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to eat. Tiredness and wear and tear can lead to depression because we can lose perspective by thinking that things are worse than what they really are. Do not think that rest in the middle of a storm is irresponsible. Someone who is rested will have better perspective, make better decisions, and stay encouraged to meet the challenge. And most likely makes us a lot nicer person to be around. So let's all go take a nap, right? Right now. Right after we talk about the last principle, okay? Our last principle uh, is perhaps the most important, and that's to spend daily times, with an S, with God. Jesus experienced pressures and challenges in his day-to-day -day life but he had a habit that guaranteed him to be able to deal with each problem in a calm way, always obtaining victory. Mark 1.35 tells us, the next morning before dawn, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Over and over again, we find him turning away and praying to his father, seeking intimacy and direction, strength and encouragement. If we take time for daily practice of spending times with God on the sunny days, then when the storms of life come, we'll have a strong and adequate refuge that we have built to face them. This doesn't need to take up hours in your day, but taking a little time throughout your day to listen and learn from him will make a tremendous difference. Read your Bible, pray, follow devotional, practice gratitude, sing or listen to worship music, join a small group. Our options are limitless. They go on and on. He is there in everything that we do, not just at church on Sundays. So invite him along on your journey, rain or shine. There we have it, the seven principles for handling life storms the way Jesus did. Let us pray.
Dear God, we thank you for helping us to live following Jesus and in a manner that is pleasing to you. Please help us to remember these important principles of recognizing who we want to please, identifying where we want to go, navigating life with a team of Christian friends, focusing on what is important, taking time to rest, and spending time with you daily. Amen. I think we're going to sing a song now.